you want to open your Bibles to Philippians 1, Philippians chapter 1, start right at the end of verse 18. Yes, Philippians 1, end of 18, yes, and I will rejoice, for I know that through your prayers and the help of the Spirit of Jesus, the Spirit of Jesus Christ, this will turn out for my deliverance as it is my eager expectation and hope that I will not at all be ashamed, but that with full courage, now as always, Christ will be honored in my body, whether by life or by death, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. If I am to live in the flesh, that means fruitful labor for me. Yet which I shall choose, I cannot tell. I am hard-pressed between the two. My desire is to depart and be with Christ, for that is better." But to remain in the flesh is more necessary on your account. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain and continue with you all for your progress and joy in the faith, so that in me you may have ample cause to glory in Christ Jesus because of my coming to you again. Well, there's a lot in this section we just read, and I'm going to focus in on one specific thing today. And that is shame. And you see that in verse 20 here, where Paul says, It is my eager expectation and hope that I will not at all be ashamed, but that with full courage, now as always, Christ will be honored in my body, whether by life or by death. So, Lord willing, in the next few minutes, we're going to talk about shame and the gospel. Shame in the gospel. And why is Paul talking about shame here? Well, we get a little context if we turn to 2 Timothy chapter 1. I'm going to read that. You can turn there if you want, uh, but you don't have to. There's going to be quite a few verses, so I'm going to go kind of quick. Um, 2 Timothy 1, we see in verse 8, Paul tells Timothy, Therefore do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner, but share in suffering for the gospel by the power of God. So here's Paul writing a letter. It's kind of interesting. Would you expect Paul to have to tell this guy who has been like a son, uh, don't be ashamed of me? That's kind of surprising. But jump down here a little bit later in, in this section. First Timothy, uh, Second Timothy 1, starting in verse 15. You are aware that all who are in Asia turned away from me, among whom are Philegius and Hermogenes. I'm not sure if I said that right. May the Lord grant mercy to the household of on- Onesiphorus. Not sure if I said that right. For he, for he often refreshed me and was not ashamed of my chains. But when he arrived in Rome, he searched for me earnestly and found me. May the Lord grant him to find mercy from the Lord on that day. So why is he talking about shame? You see, in the past, or maybe, I'm not sure, all the timelines, there's different thoughts on whether Paul was in prison once or twice, and and I don't feel like I can figure it out myself. So all that is to say that we can see that Paul has been in situations where everyone deserted him and it's appeared to be out of shame. 
Paul's in prison. They're ashamed to be associated with Paul. And everyone deserts him, he said, they're from Asia, except this one guy. And the reason he came to him was because he was not ashamed of his chains. And so there's this shame that's associated with prison here, and that has happened to Paul in the past. And we can see it a little bit earlier in Philippians, like we already talked about in the section we covered a few weeks ago, where some are preaching Christ out of envy and rivalry, kind of opposing Paul. And it says right here, if you go back to Philippians 1, go up just a couple verses, he talks about... um, He talks about how some are preaching Christ out of envy and rivalry, and then he compares it with others. I'm looking for the verse here, and I lost it. Verse 16, uh, the latter do it out of love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. So the people who proclaim Christ out of love believe he's there for the defense of the gospel. You can kind of read into that. Maybe the others don't believe he's really there for the defense of the gospel. They believe he's there for something, some other reason. Maybe a sin, sin on his part or bad discernment in appealing to his Roman citizenship or something else. So all that is to say, why is Paul talking about shame here? He's talking about shame because people have been and potentially are now ashamed of Paul ashamed of him being in prison. And Paul even talks about in 2 Timothy 1, he's not going to be ashamed. Paul himself is not going to be ashamed uh, of his imprisonment. And so let's talk about what is shame then. So what exactly is shame? The most helpful thing is something Mason actually said, is comparing shame to guilt. And that's the most helpful thing that I've heard on really honing in on what shame is. Guilt is feeling that you did something wrong, and shame is feeling that who you are is wrong. I'll say it a different way. Guilt is feeling bad about something you have done, and shame is feeling bad about who you are. So there's really two types of shame we're going to talk about today. And the first is called misplaced shame. So it's when someone feels shame for something they shouldn't feel shame for. And that's the situation here with Paul, that he's in this situation where he's in prison. Is it a shameful situation? Should he be ashamed? And the answer is no. He shouldn't be ashamed. And it doesn't appear that he is ashamed. Um... But others are ashamed, and we see that in Second Timothy 1, like we already looked at. It's a place where you could feel misplaced shame, but Paul isn't. And I'll tell you a story from my life. So I'll give you an example, just the difference between guilt and shame, and misplaced shame. So, for me, uh, growing up, I remember the first time I was really conscious of like appearance and things like that and I felt shame it was when my mom took me to buy clothes and I had to buy husky jeans which are basically the jeans there's like a special size if you're too big basically for the normal size and they call them husky jeans and I realized when my mom gave me you know here try all these on try all these on and then we had to go to the husky jeans 
section that, you know, I started to feel bad. Like, wow, I have to wear husky jeans? Like, I, I can't fit in normal jeans? And I felt shame. And I didn't feel guilty. I didn't feel like I had done something wrong. But I felt like my value was less because of my waistline, basically. And the reality is, is that's misplaced shame. And why is that? It's because my value does not come from how I look. My value does not come from the size of my waistline or what the label is on the jeans that I wear. That's not something that is where my value comes from. And that's also part of shame. Shame is kind of your tied into this idea of self-evaluation. Do I have value and where does my value come from? And I had misplaced shame. And so that actually, I was thinking about that, and I think it actually led to like a long-standing wrestle with shame over appearance for me for a long time. And I actually think it led to kind of the opposite end, where in high school I worked out a lot. Um, You know, a lot, a lot. And I think the reason was shame. It was kind of this wrestle with shame, and I was trying to get the upper hand. You know, I'm not going to get to where I'm ashamed, or I do feel some shame, so I'm going to just work out, I'm going to work out, I'm going to work out. And then you might not see, so you look at the weight room, and you see some little guy over here, uh, or some guy that's overweight, and you might think, well, they're here maybe out of shame. But you might not think, oh, look at that big guy over there, the biggest guy in the room. He's here out of, he's here because of shame too. And that's the case. That can be the case. And it might not just be your appearance. It might be your grade point average. You might see a kid who's flunking out. He might feel shame. But the kid who's got a 3.99 might feel just as much shame about that 1B uh, that they got. And they don't have a 4.0 anymore. That's the reality. And so there's shame all around. And it comes in all these different forms and for different reasons, and it really comes back to what do we value? Where's our value come from? If your value comes from your performance, then that one B uh, might be the most shameful thing that you can think of, because your value, you're tying your value into my performance at school, my grade point average determines if I'm valuable or not, and you feel shame. And that's all misplaced shame. It's all misplaced shame because we need to ask the question, where does our value really come from? If something doesn't dishonor God, um, it shouldn't cause us shame. And like I said, I'm just going to repeat myself here. Shame, a lot of times you're asking the question, am I valuable and where does that value come from? And if you feel like the answer is no, uh, I don't have what's valuable, so I'm not valuable, then you feel shame. And there's a lot of reasons we should not feel shame. And I'm going to give you quite a few of those here. The first is others' misperceptions. We shouldn't feel shame over over others' misperceptions. And that's really what's going on, it seems like, here with Paul. Some people are, seems to be misperceiving why he's in prison. They don't really believe he's there for the defense of the gospel. And so should you feel shame over other people's misperceptions? Well, the answer is no. If you haven't done anything to dishonor God, you shouldn't feel shame over it. Just because somebody uh, misperceives something. I actually thought about coming today wearing something like not normally appropriate for um, for like preaching or coming to church or whatever, like my most dingy work clothes, to like prove a point about shame. 
Because you can feel shame over that. But the question might be, why? So it could have been, for example, uh, I come in with these dingy work clothes because maybe I was carrying Joy in and she threw up on my clothes and I happened to have those in the car and I thought, well, better than just leaving and uh, making Andy come up here and preach. You could have a total misperception of why I'm wearing that uh, and there's no shame in it. In fact, you know, that, was a, that could have been a nice thing to do for Andy and, you know, uh, not make him get up here and preach last minute. That's all hypothetical, of course. But it shows that you could have shame over other people's misperceptions of you. That This has happened to me with work. You know, There's times when you're late legitimately. Uh, something happens that you can't foresee. But I felt shame over legitimate late things because I feel like they don't believe me. They're not going to believe me that this really happened or that really happened. And so I felt shame when I didn't do anything wrong. I felt shame. My car didn't start. Uh, it really didn't start. It really was not my fault. And then I feel shame because I think my boss doesn't really believe me that my car didn't start. Or, you know, the people at work don't believe me. That's misplaced shame. Because I didn't dishonor God. I didn't, I didn't sin. Uh, I'm not less valuable because my car didn't start. And it's just a misperception uh, that others have. And it's not a reason for shame. Another... Uh, Another reason we should not feel shame is over weaknesses that aren't sin or circumstances that aren't sin. So Paul's in prison. Uh, Is that a reason to feel shame? Well, not if it's not sin. Paul isn't in prison because he sinned. Paul's in prison because he's wanting to honor the Lord and they put him in prison uh, for that, for his testimony of the gospel and the Jews opposing him because of that. There's another situation with Paul with his eyes for some reason. Uh, We don't know exactly, but maybe he had some sort of infection in his eyes. Um, That's not sin. It's not something to be ashamed of. If you are sick, if you are built different, if you're short or tall, those are things that have nothing to do with your value in the eyes of God. And they're not something to be ashamed of. I'll give you another example. There's a lot of examples in this Um, if I can't sing very well, is that a reason to be ashamed? It's not a sin that I don't have a talent to sing, so I shouldn't be ashamed. Um, It's a weakness weakness that's not sin. Well, there's a lot of these, so I'm just going to keep going. Comparing yourself to others is is not um, a good reason to feel shame. You could compare yourself to others all day long, but the reality is, is that your value doesn't come in comparing yourself to others. Your value comes from what? It comes from God. Your value comes from God. And God's not looking at you and comparing you to others. A um, couple more. Other sins are not a reason for you to feel shame. This also applies to Paul here. Other people have sinned against Paul, and that's the reason he's in prison. Has it led to things in Paul's life? Absolutely. But it's not his sin uh, that led to this messy situation. It's, it's the Jews' sins and in some ways the Romans' sins. Uh, and so it's not something that he should feel ashamed about. If something happens to you and another person sins against you, you should not take that messy situation and put that shame onto yourself like it's your shame. 
if it's not your sin. There's a lot of situations we could talk about where you may walk into a messy situation. If you um, caught someone sinning in a, you know, a way that was pretty shameful and then you have to go tell somebody about it, um, you might start to feel shame yourself. The reality is that's misplaced shame. That's not your shame. It's not, your sh- it's not shame that you caught someone sinning and you have to tell them. Is it a shameful situation? Absolutely. But it's not your shame if you have to tell their parents, you know, I caught so-and-so doing such and such, and I, I think you need to know. Um, that's not your shame. Uh, it's not your sin, and so it shouldn't be your shame. And so all these things are misplaced shame. And really, the main point here of the whole sermon is this, is that the answer to shame is the gospel. The answer to shame is the gospel. There's two types of shame. There's misplaced shame, and there's rightly placed shame. And for both, the answer and the solution and the cure is the gospel. And how does the gospel take away this misplaced shame that we talked about? Why? It points you to where your value really does come from. Why are you really valuable? The question, am I valuable and where does that value come from, is answered in the gospel. When I was a kid buying husky jeans, I didn't feel valuable because I thought my value came from my appearance and my peers' perception of me. What does the gospel say? The gospel says that God so loved the world that he sent Jesus Christ to die. God, in the flesh, came to die so that I might know him. Jesus died for a kid who wears husky jeans. And that's what gave me value. Not what other kids thought. God gives me value. On the other hand, you might be, like I said, the biggest guy in the weight room. And you are there because you think your value comes from your appearance. Well, how does the gospel answer that? The gospel says God loves you not because of your appearance, not because of how much you can lift or how big your biceps are, but because of his great, the great love with which he loved us. God valued you. He looked at you and he, he elected you and said, I want this person to be my son or daughter and I love them so much I'm going to send Jesus Christ to die. That has nothing to do with your appearance or your weightlifting or your grade point average or what kind of shoes you wear. All these places where the world places their value, um, the gospel says that's not where real value comes from. It comes from God. What's of ultimate value? That's really one of the questions that's tied in with this idea of shame. What's of ultimate value? Because whatever is of ultimate value, then I'm going to pursue that thing. And I'm as much, in as much as I have that thing that has ultimate value, I think I have value. So let's just give some examples. If I think what is of ultimate value, what's the most valuable thing is appearance, then I'm going to pursue appearance. And if I have it, I'm going to feel good. And if I don't, I'm going to feel ashamed. But the reality is, what does the gospel say has ultimate value? God. God is what is ultimately valuable. And if I have him and I know him, that's where my value comes from, not my appearance. There's a lot of other things we could say, not just appearance. Um, possessions. Uh, people believe they're valuable if they've got a big house, a nice car, a performance. 
There's a lot of people that are basing their value on their performance. If I perform well, then I'm valuable. If I don't perform well, I feel shame over my performance because what makes me valuable is my grade point average or whether my boss thinks I'm doing a good job or if I get this promotion or not. Those, all those things give me value, and so when I don't perform well, I feel shame. The gospel says what gives you value is not your performance. It's God's love for you despite any great or bad performance, God loves you based on the blood of Jesus Christ and the love of the Father. And so my question, I want you to think about this. Just think about when do you feel shame? Can you think of some time in the recent past when you felt shame or things that motivate shame, where shame motivates you? And if you can find that, then you can also see where you're placing value because if you say, well, I felt ashamed of my wrinkles, what you're saying is, I think appearance gives me value. If you're saying, I felt ashamed of my waistline, then I'm saying, then you're saying, I think my appearance gives me value. If you felt ashamed of a mistake you made, then you're saying, that wasn't sin. A mistake you made that wasn't sin, then you're saying, my performance is what gives me value. If you felt ashamed of not knowing an answer, when the teacher asked, uh, and that's not because you didn't study, you did nothing wrong, it's just something you didn't know, then if that leads to shame, what it means is your performance is where you're finding value. Um, there's a lot of other things. Your clothes, if you feel ashamed of your clothes, how much money you have, your house, the kind of job, uh, all those things are pointing to where you ultimately find your value. And the solution is, if you feel shame about anything other than sin, about anything other than dishonoring God, the gospel says that's misplaced shame. What really has value is knowing and honoring God. And you are valuable. Why? Jesus Christ died for you. We've said this before, but it's worth saying again. God could have made a thousand other universes, but he only has one son, and he gave him for you. That's how valuable you are. God is ultimately value, ultimately valuable. That means God ultimately gives value. If he values you, you should not feel ashamed. There's a lot of books, you know, this is a good time to just stand aside here for kids. If you're a parent, this is a good thing to talk about with your kids. I've been thinking about it this week. And as I'm reading books to Joy, realizing, man, there's a lot of these that have great opportunities to talk to her about misplaced shame. And I just joked with me, why don't you bring a stack to church? Because it's like The Lion King and books that you wouldn't think have a ton of redeemable spiritual lessons, but they really do. You know, in The Lion King, Simba has this misplaced shame. He thinks... He is the reason his father died. It wasn't his fault at all. And so this misplaced shame motivates this whole wilderness season for Simba. Anyways, it's a good opportunity to talk to my daughter about shame. And we, I talked to her this morning about it. I don't think she understood it exactly, but <laughs> maybe one day she will. There's a lot of books like that. We have another book called Audrey Bunny, which is about this bunny that has this mark that... And, and so the bunny is always ashamed of their appearance. And that one actually ends with the Bible verse, you are fearfully and wonderfully made. And so it's very encouraging 
to see these things and be able to talk to kids because I wish somebody would have told me and maybe they did and it just didn't sink in. Your value comes through Jesus. Is that really where you're finding your value or is it what the other kids are saying about you or is it your appearance or is there something that happened to you that was not your fault, it was somebody else's sin and then you're heaping that shame on yourself? Don't. Don't. God will take away your misplaced shame by giving you a real view of where your real value comes from and a view of what's ultimately valuable, which is Jesus. And that's what Paul's saying here in Philippians 1. Look, look at these verses here. For me to live is Christ and to die is gain. He's saying, no matter what happens, I've got what's ultimately valuable. If I'm living here, that's Christ. If I'm dying, more of Christ. I've got the ultimately valuable thing, and that's Jesus, and I'm not going to be ashamed. Praise the Lord. He's got this redirection of ultimate value. He knows what's valuable. That's, we need that to be grounded. Wherever we are, your circumstances, whatever it is that is keeping shame upon you, if it's misplaced, you need that gospel to redirect you. You need the gospel to redirect you. Well, let's talk about the other side. We're going to circle back around to this towards the end. But the other side, we talked about misplaced shame. I'm going to give some more examples at the end, but what's rightly placed shame then? Because if, if we have misplaced shame, we all probably have some misplaced shame and rightly placed shame. What is rightly placed shame? Let's turn to Romans 6 here, if you want to, and look what's some rightly placed shame. Romans chapter 6. Read verses 20 and 21 to start. Romans 6, verses 20 and 21. For when you were slaves of sin, you were free in regard to righteousness. But what fruit were you getting at that time from the things of which you are now ashamed? For the end of those things is death. For the end of those things is death. Rightly placed shame comes from dishonoring God, comes from rejecting the thing that has ultimate value, which is God. If I, here's this thing that really has ultimate value, knowing God, honoring God, and I reject that, and I say, I don't want that, then that really is a cause for shame. It really is a cause for shame. Sin and dishonoring God really is a cause for shame. But the good news is, the good news is the gospel is the answer for that kind of shame too. In just, in just as much and just as real a way as Jesus came to take away our misplaced shame and point us to right values, he also came to take away our rightly placed shame. Look at the next, look at the verses after this that we just read. Pick up there, 22. So notice the past tense, from the things of which you are now ashamed, but now, verse 22 that you have been set free from sin and have become slaves of God, the fruit you get leads to sanctification and its end eternal life. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ our Lord. Just an aside, we just talked about guilt, the difference between guilt and shame. The good news is the gospel is the answer for both. right? The gospel is the answer for guilt and shame. Um, there may be misplaced guilt too. And the gospel's the answer for that. 
So we're going to kind of, we're focusing on shame, but as we're going along, we're kind of hitting these other things, guilt, misplaced guilt, and rightly placed guilt. All the answer to all those things is the gospel. The gospel says, yeah, you did. You did something that caused real shame, and that is a right reason to be ashamed. But you know what? God didn't leave you there. God came to take away your shame and your guilt through Jesus Christ. Not based on your works, based on his love for you and his death for you. And you know what? If guilt is saying, I did something wrong, and I feel bad about that, and shame is saying, I, I am something wrong, something's wrong in me, praise the Lord, what the gospel says is, I will make a new you. That's what he's saying here. Look at, look at verse 22. But now that you have been set free and have become slaves of God. If this old person that doesn't love God, that loves sin, that is shameful, guess what? In Jesus, you're not that person anymore. You've become a new person. The new person is not a person to be ashamed of. Because that person has what is ultimately valuable. A relationship with God. A love for God. Wanting to honor God. Praise the Lord. That's what being born again is. The gospel is not saying you need to believe some facts in your mind and that's your main problem. Really, the idea of being born again is saying you need to be a new person. And Jesus came to make you a new person. You're no longer a slave of sin. You're a slave of God. The old person that committed all those sins that you feel ashamed of, that person's gone. You're not that person anymore if you're trusting Jesus and he's renewed you. That's what Paul says really in Galatians. I'm going to read this to you. Galatians 2.20. That's what Paul's saying in Galatians 2.20. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. It's no longer I who live. I'm a new person. Christ lives in me. He's been crucified with Christ. That old man, that old man, that shameful man was crucified. Now there's a new man, Jesus. The, the new life that is not a life, not an identity to be ashamed of. Should we be ashamed if we're, you know, like Jesus said to the Jews, your father is Satan and your will is to do your father's desires. If that's who you are, that is, that's right, a right place to be ashamed. You're rejecting what's ultimately valuable, God, and you're choosing what's less valuable, and you don't have what's really valuable. But, Jesus came to put that old man to death, give you a, make you a new person. No longer is that old person living. That person's been crucified because I'm living by faith in Jesus, and then I have a new life. All those the person I used to be isn't me anymore. I'm a new person. I have these new desires. I have these new affections. I have God living in me. Praise the Lord. And so the gospel is the answer to rightly place shame. What happens if you sin as a Christian? First John 1 John 1.9 says, If we confess our sin, he's faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us. So if justification is saying, you're not guilty anymore, then regeneration is saying you're a new person, right? You don't have to be ashamed anymore because you aren't a person to be ashamed of. You're a new person. You are 
this is an overstatement, but this is what Paul said. It's Jesus living in me now. It's not Andrew. It's not Paul. It's not Garrett. It's not Chris. It's not Lance. It's Jesus. That's amazing. You know who, there's one person that should, had no reason to ever be ashamed? Jesus. And that's the person living in you. Praise the Lord. The gospel is the answer for rightly placed shame. Run to Jesus. You've got misplaced shame? Run to Jesus. Believe the gospel. You've got rightly placed shame? You did something and you are something that is, is opposed to God? Run to Jesus. Trust him. He died for you. He wants to change you. He wants to free you. He wants to make you a new person. You know what else? I'm a new person. Am I free from sin? Totally? No. But you know what? I'm going to be. And pretty soon, for, pretty soon, I'm never going to sin again. And I'm going to be with Jesus. That's what's of ultimate value. And that First John 1, 9, forgiveness and cleansing. You confess your sin to Jesus Christ. He's not only going to forgive you, He's going to cleanse you. It's the... It's that idea, it seems to me, the idea of regeneration. Not just you're forgiven, but you're the same person you always were. You're, you're being cleansed. You're being made new. You're continually, every day, being made new more and more into the image of Jesus, the man who has no reason to be ashamed. Praise the Lord. So, let's just summarize here. Shame comes in these two categories. Misplaced shame, rightly placed shame. So, the solution, believe the gospel. I'm going to read you a quote here from John Piper that has, it's just really, really great. Um, because some people might come from different families. He talks about shame-based families and people who kind of heap shame onto themselves or have been grown up in families where shame is used. You know, shame is a really good motivator, but it's very dangerous, and that's what is scary. You know, you could use shame to motivate your kids and it really harmed them in the end. He kind of talks about that, but I'm just going to read this quote here. He's talking about shame-based families. And he said, There is such a thing as shame that is repeatedly put on people in these shame-based families, but which does not belong to them. Freeing people who have been hurt deeply by carrying this misplaced shame is what living by faith in Christ is meant to do. It has been a great encouragement to me to realize that this kind of shaming happened repeatedly to Jesus. For example, they called him a drunkard, a glutton. They called him a temple destroyer. They called him a hypocrite. They said he saved others, but he can't save himself. In all this, the goal was to load Jesus with a shame that was not his to bear. They hoped they could discourage him and paralyze him by keeping shameful accu- heaping shameful accusations on him. And... And it no doubt has happened to you, perhaps from, mature, from immature parents, perhaps from others, and it will happen again. How do we battle this misplaced shame? We battle it by believing the promises of God that in, in the end, all efforts to put us to shame will fail. We may struggle now to know what our shame is to bear, what our shame is to bear and what is not. But God has a promise for us that covers us in either case. Isaiah promises the people who trust in God, you will not be put to shame or humiliated for all eternity. Isaiah forty-five seventeen. And Paul applies the Old Testament promise to Christians. No one who believes in him will be put to shame. 
Romans 10, 11. He's saying that you probably have experienced this and you are going to experience this. That shame is something that our culture uses, that people use, and you need to be prepared. And the way you can be prepared is to know the gospel and to believe it. Whether it's misplaced shame or rightly placed shame. What's the effects? I mean, there's no doubt in my mind that some of these things that Paul's talking about here are related. He's talking about joy. He is going to rejoice. And he's not going to be ashamed. Can't you see how shame robs you of your joy? Like if you are just walking around all the time and you are just not joyful at all, ask, maybe just ask the question, is there a bunch of shame that's robbing me of my joy? Is it misplaced shame? Is it rightly placed shame? I'm just going to take that to Jesus. He talks about full confidence here in, in Philippians 1. Shame will rob you of your confidence to do the right thing. You just you got all this shame on your back and you you lose your confidence. You you don't have confidence to walk in the path God has for you because it could be misplaced shame or it could be shame that you shouldn't be carrying anymore that you should be taking to Jesus and being washed. Um, not only confidence, not only joy, but hope. He says, he, with full hope, he's walking forward in this difficult situation. If you can feel hopeless, if you got a bunch of shame on your back that's not yours to bear, and the reality is, whatever shame you've got isn't yours to bear. You're supposed to be taking it to Jesus, even if it's rightly placed shame, and putting it on Him, asking for forgiveness, asking for wisdom, giving me, give me those new values, Jesus. So. I know that my value doesn't come from this thing that I'm feeling ashamed about. That'll rob you. You'll, you'll feel hopeless. You got all this shame on your back and you just feel kind of hopeless. But Paul's saying he doesn't have that. He has joy. He's going to rejoice. He's got confidence. He's got hope. He's not ashamed. He's walking in this assurance that I've got the one thing that matters, Jesus. Whether I live or whether I die, I've got the one thing that matters. And so I'm walking in confidence, joy, and hope. And that's what I want for you and me. Because it can. I hope, my hope for you is that just this category will help you. Because I don't know about for you, but for me, I've actually never heard a sermon on shame before. And I didn't even have this category six months ago, really. Like, I didn't even think about it. And so there would be shame on my back that was misplaced shame, and I didn't even realize. Like, it just weighed me down, and I had no way to get it off because I didn't even know it was there. Um, I hope for you that maybe that's you. Maybe you'll realize, man... I've got this shame, and you can ask yourself. Well, here, let's just do this really quick, and then I'll end with a story. Six ways we can apply this. Okay, so first, notice shame and the difference between guilt. If you just have this category, you can just ask yourself, am I, guil- am I guilty? Am I feeling guilty, or am I feeling shame? And just notice it. That's the first thing. Because honestly, like I said, six months ago, I couldn't have even noticed it. I couldn't have put my finger on it because I didn't have the categories. Um, so first notice it and then two ask the question have I dishonored God is this something that's right you know I really did I really messed up I sinned and I need to take that to Jesus you can just ask that question have I dishonored God and if your answer is no then you can say this is misplaced shame this is coming from somewhere else number three remind yourself what is ultimately value and who gives you value it's God is ultimately valuable, and God gives me my ultimate value. And so you might, these first three points, we could just give the genes example again. 
here, here you are, you're getting Husky jeans, you're, you know, I don't know, maybe nine, ten-year-old Andrew Turner, and you ask yourself, well, I'm feeling shame, and I notice that. That's point number one. Number two, I ask, have I dishonored God? Have I dishonored God in some way? Am I not active? Am I dishonoring God by just, you know, eating terrible things all the time and, you know, not trying to take care of my body at all? Is it sin or is it just the way God made me? And I think at the time, if I could see clearly, I'd say, no, I'm active. I run. I play. I, I'm, I think I'm pretty healthy, but I'm wearing husky jeans. So I don't think I've dishonored God. And then three, remind yourself of what is ultimately valuable. And so I, sh- I wish that I had had the opportunity and the knowledge to say, husky jeans don't give me value or take away my value. What gives me value is Jesus Christ, and he loves me more than anyone else in the world. And I can know him, and that's ultimately valuable. Now, number four, ask, is this misplaced or well-placed shame? So once you've gone all through that, you know that you have these categories. If I have dishonored God, it's well-placed shame. And if I haven't, then it's misplaced shame. That's number four. And then what do we do then? Number five, apply the gospel, either, either direction. If you did dishonor God, trust in Jesus Christ, saving blood, his regeneration, he's going to make you new. There's, give that shame to him. If you didn't dishonor God, trust the gospel. You've got the ultimate thing that's ultimately valuable, Jesus Christ. And if you don't know, apply the gospel because it's the answer either direction. And just say, God, if this is this, if I really dishonored you, forgive me, wash me, change me, and take away this shame. And if I didn't, forgive me. Um, I, I just can't see it right now. Would you just take this away if this is misplaced shame? Because I know I know you, and that's what's valuable, and that you love me, and that's what's valuable. So the gospel is the answer. And then verse 6, uh, verse 6, point 6, not a verse. Uh, hold on to, this, to the sermon, certain promises in the Bible. Hold on to the certain promises. So you may go through all that, and then five minutes later, you start feeling shame again. And then what? Bring a verse and fight it with a verse. God says, those who fear him will not be put to shame. I'm fearing the Lord. I'm giving it all to him. And you go through it again. Or um, whatever it is, whatever verse helps you. It may be the verses from Isaiah or Romans. And so I'm going to end with a story here. A little bit longer today. Uh, But this is a good story and I don't want to forget to share this. Last week I forgot to share my two best illustrations in this first uh, meeting. (laughs) No shame, just honest mistake, not a sin. Um, so I don't want to do that this week. Okay, so here's the story. Uh, true story, and actually really sad, just kind of a good reminder of where what we have to be thankful for. In Uganda, we're talking about modern-day Uganda. I'm not talking about 10... Uh, I'm not even talking about 10 years ago. I'm talking about the 2010 to 2016 range. In, in Uganda, about 3,000 kids a year are kidnapped. And this is the crazy part. This doesn't even sound real, but this is real. Witch doctors use kids in these weird occult uh, rituals. And they'll kidnap kids for it, which is so sad. And that's happening. I mean, that we're talking, the story I'm going to tell you is between that in that range, 2010 to 2016. And here's, a, here's another crazy part. They, 
they had never, at the time I'm telling you this story, they had never convicted a witch doctor for that. So no one had gone to jail ever for kidnapping a kid and using them in these occult rituals. And so I'm going to tell you the story of the first witch doctor that did go uh, to jail. And his name was Kabi, K-A-B-I. I'm not sure if I'm saying that right. And the kid, I think this is a pseudonym or whatever, so to protect his identity, but the kid who he abducted was named Charlie. And that's what we're going to call him. And this is a true story, and he abducted Charlie, and he hurt Charlie severely. Uh, we would call it mutilated, so you would be permanently uh, hurt, and you're never going to be the same, you're never going to be healed. So Cobby abducted Charlie, hurt him, and they did uh, get to Charlie before he died. And so they sent um, them to trial, and Cobby was convicted and went to jail, and Charlie, sadly, his parents disowned him. And so here's this kid, Charlie. He's permanently disfigured, okay? Um, and his parents disowned him. What do you think he might be feeling? He might be feeling some serious shame. I'm not valuable. My parents don't even want me. I look around and here's all these other people who look normal and I'm never going to look normal. I'm going to be disfigured the rest of my life. Is that misplaced shame or rightly placed shame? Misplaced shame. He did not do anything wrong. It was not his fault. His parents, you know, disowning him, is not his fault. It was not his fault. This guy kidnapping him was not his fault. What this guy did to him is not who he is. It's not, that's that guy's sin, Cobby. It's not Charlie's sin. Charlie did not sin in this situation. Charlie was a victim, not, not his shame. Do other people maybe have misperceptions about Charlie? Absolutely. You see somebody disfigured, you may have a misperception. You may not know what to think or uh, think something that's not true. Um, is being disfigured a weakness? Yeah, it's a weakness. I mean, it's not ideal, but it's not a sin, and so it's not something to be ashamed of. Could Cobby, or sorry, could Charlie compare himself to others and start to feel shame? Absolutely. But you know what? That's a misplaced shame. You don't get your value from comparing yourself to others. Should he take this other guy's sin and put it, is it his shame to bear? It's not. And so all those are the reasons we talked about we can have misplaced shame, and he might have shame, misplaced shame from all those. But the reality is it's misplaced shame. What's the answer to that? The answer for Charlie, which is a real kid, he actually met President Obama um, back in 2015-16, um, which is pretty amazing. Uh, but he, um, he may have shame for all those reasons. The answer, the gospel. Charlie, your value does not come from how you look. That What that guy did to you was not your sin. You can compare yourself to others, but that's not where your value comes. Your value comes from Jesus, who loved you, died for you, and wants to know you. That's where ultimate value comes. That's the answer. That's the answer to Charlie. And I'm, uh, I pray for him. Pray for Charlie. I don't know if he's a Christian or not. As far as I know, he's not a Christian. Pray that he would find his value in Jesus. Believe that Jesus loves him and stake everything, his whole soul on that. 
The gospel's the answer to misplaced shame. Now, here's the interesting thing. Kabi, the witch doctor, uh, what's, his, what's the answer for him? He's sitting in jail. He realizes, I've done this before, and this is horrible. He sees what he's done. What is he going to feel? Shame. Rightly placed or misplaced shame? Rightly. He did something wrong. He sinned against God. He dishonored God in the way he was acting in a lot of different ways, uh, many different ways. What's the answer? The answer is the gospel. Yeah, you sinned. This is a re- you should feel shame. This is not honoring to God. You're rejecting the God who has ultimate value for this other weird witch doctor stuff. And yeah, that's shameful. But you know what? Jesus Christ died for you. And he wants to take away that shame and that sin. And he died on the cross for taking the shame onto himself and the punishment for people just like you, Kabi. So that you could know God and you could have what's ultimately valuable and you could be washed and you could be cleansed. And yes, this is who you are. Like this is you. You took this on as your identity. I am a witch doctor. This is what I do. But you know what? Jesus will give you a new identity. You can be a son of God based on the blood of Jesus and that old copy can be gone. And the encouraging thing on that actually is that he did make a profession um, and professed to be a Christian and shared the gospel in jail. Praise the Lord for that. The answer to the rightly placed shame was the gospel, was Jesus. And so I felt like that was a good illustration, also just kind of a good reminder to us where we are. Like, this is the world we live in. Like, that is a true story, and that is so sad. And if you're here and you're growing up and your house is safe and you can, you know, lock your doors at night, praise the Lord. You know, you, you, we have a justice system that would punish people um, for kidnapping kids and, and all those things. And so praise the Lord for where we live. But we can pray that God would just use us in whatever way uh, in the world we live in to be a light. Why don't we pray together? And God, just thank you for that story. Thank you that you did let Charlie die, that he got to hear the gospel. I do pray for Charlie that you would take away his his shame, uh, misplaced shame, and you take away any shame he has for his sins by um, him trusting in you, Jesus. Would you, even now today, maybe cause him to become a Christian? I pray, Lord, if there's anybody here who is struggling, has struggled um, long-term or short-term over shame, Would you just give them deliverance? Would this be a help to them? Anything I said that wasn't clear, I pray you would just change that in their mind and make it clear. Um, I pray you give them verses. I pray if there's kids here today who don't believe the gospel and they're struggling with shame, that you would just make it real in their hearts. We love you. Uh, Father, for sending Jesus, we love you, Jesus, for coming and taking our shame when you didn't need to and you didn't deserve it. Thank you for a new identity in you, and we just want to live in that today. Would you free us with the? Would you free us from misplaced and rightly placed shame? We just lift all this up to you. We love you. We trust you. Amen.